0: So again, to take advantage of this incredible event and to learn how to raise all the private money you'll ever need directly from Jay Connor and his team, head over to jconner.com forward slash event. Again, that is jconner.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash event. Now let's get into today's episode.
1: Oh my lands, my friend. I'm so excited for the upcoming episode right here in this show my friend Ed Middlebrooks is going to pull the curtain back and show you how to do the short-term rental business with number one without using any of your own money and by using this secret strategy called arbitrage. You don't have to own any of these houses and we're going to show you how to combine private money with the short-term rentals to where you can furnish the house, do any minor repairs and run the entire business on automatic. Ed is actually gonna show you in this episode how he has a platform of finding people immediately that knows how to clean these houses, they bid for the jobs, and you run it, it does not run you. So be sure and don't go anywhere because at the end of the show, Ed's got a great big free bonus for you, and I have got a brand new free money guide for you to download that will get you started on the fast track to private money. Here it comes right now. Well, Oh My lands! welcome back to another episode in an amazing show of what we've got going on for you here today. This is the Private Money Academy podcast, and we talk all things about private money. and I have just amazing guests that joins me here on today's show. And my guest is not only a dear friend, but he is also an expert at raising private money himself. So what better guest to have on the show than my good friend? Well, I'll give you a short intro and then we're going to dive right in, because let me tell you something, my friend. Ed does private money and uses private money for a strategy like nobody else I know about. So my guest, first of all, is a new and upcoming investor with acquisitions in multiple markets. And it's with a specialty in creative financing and private lending. And here's what it's for for short-term rentals. Yes, my friend is the epitome of taking action now, and that's why he is so successful, as he has dramatically grown his short-term rental portfolio from three to 13 properties in less than a year of using creative financing strategies, arbitrage, private money, and all that kind of stuff. And another cool thing about my friend is that he specializes in mindset, just like I do, other people's money, all that sort of thing. And he applies those strategies for short term rentals for fast cash flow and fast unlimited success. Now his structure is second to none is he applies contract law. And we want to hear about that in the private domain to grow his portfolio outside of the public domain. And hey, I know I've got your attention now. So put your seatbelt on. Don't go anywhere because my guest has got a special free bonus for you at the end of this show. So with that, my good friend and fellow mastermind member, Ed
2: Middlebrooks, welcome to the show, Ed. Hi, Jay Connor. So happy to be here. Thank you so much for having me on your amazing podcast podcast. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is Ed Middlebrooks. Thank you for that great intro, Jay. And I got to tell everybody, Jay Conner is the guy who cut my teeth in the world of private money and private lending. So getting on this particular podcast with you, sir, is a, it's a dream come true, and it really is. Absolutely. Well, Ed, uh, tell everybody how you
1: got into real estate, what year did you start, and really how did you start in it
2: before migrating over to short-term rentals? Sure. Well, I'll tell you, I got my start uh, was 2018. In October of 2018, I went to this uh, gentleman's, uh, I think like a three or five day event called Quick Start Real Estate School. I think you know him. His name is Ron LeGrand. Uh, And this came on the recommendation of my father who told me, Ed, I've been buying and selling properties and and, uh, selling them for a profit, fixing them up. And uh, you should do that too. And I thought, well, gee, you know, I I don't know how to do any of this type of stuff. And I do remember this guy has been consistently emailing me. And sure enough, I go into my junk mail folder and after hearing his radio ad and signing up years in advance... I found that email was still consistently delivering to me and I know exactly where I'm going to go now. So I clicked on the link and I bought the CDs I started getting into it. And I'm sure I'm telling a story that many, many investors know because they too have had this exact same story. They got the CDs, they got the book, you know, the fastest paycheck in, in real estate. They learned how to wholesale. A lot of people stick with wholesaling and they stay right there. After going to Quick Start Real Estate School, well, I met this gentleman at that event who told me where to get the money now. And I think everybody on this call knows exactly who I'm talking about. And that is none other than the Private Money Authority, Jay Connor. I then signed up for Jay Connor's event. I bought into his courses and my out. The things I learned about private money were second to none. I like to say thanks to Ron Legrand, thanks to Jay Connor, thanks to uh, Marshall Silver, who got my mindset together. I really started my real estate investment business career uh, on full throttle. I started it in the right way. So we're talking only 2018 when I got my start. And uh, it wasn't long after I decided to quit my job that I actually had a little bit of a, a mental breakdown. This before I met Marshall Silver. Um, and the fact that I got my first deal it was fantastic. And when I cut off that regular check that I was getting from my employer... Constant, not coming from the fear to hold of me hard, and so I went back to work for a couple of years. And my first, well, one of my first creative financing deals that I did, I did on a on a owner financing deal, and I I did fantastic in a little resort community called Lincoln, New Hampshire. And in that town, I could not find a lease option tenant to purchase my property on the terms that would work for me. So I decided to turn to short-term rentals to see how that would work out. And uh, after being in what they call mud season, where the entire season shut down, Memorial Day weekend hit, and I found that we consistently started bringing in $6,000 a month gross income and our rents there were only four, or not rents, but our, our owner finance and payment was only $1,400 a month. So we were breaking even at two grand. So on one property, I was making $4,000 a month cash flow. And I thought, man, not bad. Well, fast forward, it's now May 2021. And I've got three cash flowing Airbnbs. And I thought, you know, I really need to set fire to this thing. And as you introduced me, it's barely been a year later. I'm at 13. Well, I got to actually do a quick correction because your, your team asked me, Ed, how many have you done? And I put in 13 there. Yet yeah, in the time I wrote that to now, we're actually at 16 properties because we're doing three right now, one in Tampa, Palm Harbor and, and Port Charlotte and none of my own money, no banks and no credit. So that's that's my story. That's my background. And yes, as of um, May of last year, when I met Marshall Silver, he got me comfortable with being uncomfortable. I quit my job and for the past year. This is all I do now. And let me tell you, life is good.
1: So, Ed, when you started out, were you just focusing on rental? So I want to understand, how did you migrate from focusing on rental houses over to short-term rentals? How did that
2: happen? Yeah, so the way that that happened was was specifically I wasn't doing landlording with long-term deals. I was doing the whole lease option sandwich, owner financing, finding a lease option tenant, and really, I just found myself in kind of a town where people weren't making a lot of money, right? I mean, you, the the local people who lived there—they worked at the local ski lodge, you know, they were ski instructors because there's a lot of skiing around there. Um, they were kind of a lot of uh, how do I say, like minimum wage employees. There's a lot of that, and so in looking to to sell this house on a lease option, I just wasn't getting the type of I guess you could say lease option candidate that I needed for the house. People didn't have a lot of money, safer down payment. And the amounts that they were offering me for the monthly payment were far less than what I was paying to the the seller. And I thought, well, if they don't come along, what am I going to do? And ultimately I decided let's try Airbnb. So I put the property on Airbnb. We actually had another creative financing deal and I had a lease option tenant there who was about to, decide not to put down $20,000 down. And I said, look, why don't you give me 10 down? And for the other 10, I'll give you a credit to fix up this other property. So they did that. They put in new flooring, new light fixtures, took pictures, beautified the thing, got it all set up for us. We stuck on Airbnb. And that's when we started seeing $4,000 a month in net cash flow out of one property. And we went, man, we got to do more of this.
1: On average, Ed, how much more per month does a short-term rental gross in other than
2: just a regular traditional landlord tenant? That is a great question. I will tell you, Airbnb just reported in Q1. That's the period from January till March. Some of their best numbers, they're now touting that we're out, of the, we're out of the whole COVID period and travels back to normal. Of course, they're not speaking to April and May, which I know for a lot of people have been a little bit more challenging as prices go up. I'm sure you understand right now that rental rates are on the dramatic rise. We haven't seen rental rates uh, increasing like they have been in my lifetime. I've never seen them going up like they're going up right now. Rental rates are going through the roof. And because of rising inflation costs, short-term rentals are kind of doing this. They're not increasing with the rental rates. So we have great travel. We've got we're past COVID. And yet we also have, well, let's see what the future is going to hold right? I always ask this question, Jay. I ask the question, uh, I call it witty. Um, And that actually wrote this down to make sure that I say this correctly. Witty is what is the impact? W-I-T-I, what is the impact? And I always ask myself those things. What's the impact of of prices going up, Of gas prices going up? How does that impact travel? How does that impact somebody's ability to afford a house? What happens if the price of uh, gas and groceries and commodities all goes down? What happens at that point? What is the impact of those things happening? So, as you know, you know, being an investor, you kind of got to—you can't really have a crystal ball, but you got to make predictions based on sound logic and great data. And what I like to say there is, when you ask the question, "What is the impact?" you realize that the number that you just asked me about has consistently been between four and six thousand $6, dollars a month, and uh, that's net cash flow per property. And that number can change with things like seasonality, area demand, and certainly whether or not people are choosing to travel or if they're staying at home. So every property is a little bit different. I will tell you consistently across the board, we see about four to $6,000 a month of net income.
1: So is that four to $6,000 of net income per month, is that at least double of what you could get if you were just doing a straight
2: rental? Uh, it used to be. It used to be. I can tell you these days there are some properties that are getting three to four thousand dollars a month on regular rentals. So now, as you realize I'm an Airbnb arbitrage guy and I use private money for my arbitrage business, your first question is gonna be: well, Ed, why on earth would a landlord rent to you to do Airbnb when they can rent to somebody else and get consistent three to four thousand dollars a month on the rental? And the answer is very, very simple. A, because I'm a professional. B, I have the properties professionally cleaned at all times. They have to be in showroom ready condition at all times. And we take care of all the maintenance. So I always tell my landlords, when you rent that property to my business to do arbitrage, your days of dealing with tenants and toilets are over. That for them means that they can be successful with what they're doing with their rents. And yet they don't have to be burdened by normal everyday tenants. What's your definition of arbitrage? So arbitrage means to lease a property from a landlord, or if you are a BRRR investor, I want to talk to you because these are people who are doing long-term leases. And me as a Airbnb arbitrage guy, I lease from a landlord and then I sublease on short-term rentals. Now, I don't actually have a subleasing agreement per se. The people who come to stay in my properties are my guests through Airbnb. There are not tenants and therefore landlord-tenant law need not necessarily apply. There are some ways that you can uh, make sure that landlord-tenant law is not applying to you. And what I say is arbitrage is simply leasing from a landlord and subleasing on short-term rentals.
1: In a very short period of time, you went from three short-term rentals, Airbnbs, to 13 and now you got three more on the works that you're closing. What's your best ways of locating these properties to um, and let's make sure I understand, to make sure that um, so you find them, make sure that the landlord that owns the house, in other words, what is your offer? What's your pitch to where a landlord is comfortable? in allowing you because I'm, I'm sure you're you're fully transparent transparent i'm sure um absolutely. what is your what is your pitch to the landlord that um hey i'm gonna
2: be using this property for a, a short-term rental absolutely that is a great question that is probably one of the number one questions i get out of all of my students and uh, i can tell you yes absolutely i'm transparent however jay would you agree That if I come out of the gate swinging with Airbnb and short term rental concepts that the mainstream media who loves to create shock jock radio uh, and shock and awe media love to to say every time there's a party that they're going to go and plaster that everywhere about Airbnb. There was a party over here and therefore you're probably going to have that problem, too. So if I come out of the gate swinging, Jay, would you think that landlords are probably going to not be too receptive as to uh, that strategy? You
1: probably need to use a different language that is truthful, but different language than perhaps the stigma that the phrase Airbnb has.
2: Well, and that's that is a very valid point. It's exactly what I do. So I'm going to tell you Airbnb is what we call a channel. And so I use a property management system that allows us to be on multiple channels. We can be on Airbnb and VRBO and Bookings and HomeAway and FloridaRentals.com. And, you know, we go through Rental United and we make sure that our property is syndicated with Expedia. Uh, there's there's now, you know, the, the new one coming up I'm researching right now, which is um, Homes and Villas through Marriott. And, um, you know, I am... I'm always looking for ways to make sure I'm painting the right picture. you got to paint the pretty picture when you're talking to a landlord. So here's my suggestion. Don't talk about the channel. It doesn't matter if you're advertising a property direct on your own website or through Airbnb or through VRBO. That doesn't matter. What matters is the people who are coming to stay there. Ultimately, if you were to host a property on Airbnb and let's say they throw a party. Now, I'm going to use that as a worst case scenario. Uh, In my 13 properties, I've had over uh, almost 600 stays at this point. I don't even know if we've crossed that line yet. They happen so often. Who knows? I've had over 600 stays and I've never had a single party ever thrown in any of my properties. So that stigma to me is not really based on reality. It's based on the, uh, the exception to the rule. What I like to talk about instead of the channel is I like to talk about the people who are coming there. So I say the type of people who come to stay with us, they could be families with patients at the local Moffitt Cancer Center, because I know in my Jacksonville properties and here in Tampa, we've got we've got Moffitt. Or they could be families who are coming to travel and go to Busch Gardens down here in Tampa. Or maybe they're going to the beach or whatever the case may be. I speak to the people who are coming to the area. I also know that in Tampa, we have a very high demand market in terms of new properties being built. And therefore, a lot of the people that I'm hosting are crews, their companies, who are coming in here and they're doing the the contract work of building up the properties, and they can't hire these people fast enough. And where are they going to stay? So a lot of times, I'm hosting families who have patients at Moffitt, eighty uh, percent of the time, and the other, you know, twenty to thirty percent of the time, it could be a construction crew who comes into town and they all want to stay together. Company rents one house, puts everybody in there together, and away they go. There are no parties. They're just not in what we see. More than that, we put in huge fines. So um, having said that, we don't speak to the channel because the channel is irrelevant. We speak to the people. And when you speak to the people and the reasons they come to stay, you trigger the mind in such a way where you get past that limiting belief of, oh, this is an Airbnb. They're going to come and throw parties. They're going to destroy my property. Not our guests. Not, not what, with what we do.
1: Your Airbnbs, um,
2: do they need to be in resort areas or not? You know, that's the beauty of the way that we do business. People want to travel where people are needed, where people want to go. Certainly, places that are on the water are fantastic. Places that are in resort communities, as long as you get approval from your, your HOA or your COA, that's your Homeowners Association or your Condominium Owners Association, as long as you've got their blessing, yeah, those places work great. You know what else works? a duplex, a triplex, a single family home in a neighborhood, um, places where families are going to come and visit because they've got other family members who are there. A great way to look at where your your Airbnbs are. One of the tricks I have is the attractor factor. Is there a reason people are going to come to the area? And a great way to know if you've got good attractor factors is look for the hotels. Do you think Hilton's going to build a great big hotel without doing their research? No, of course not. Therefore, you can actually contact the manager at the front desk. I will tell you every time I've done that, the manager at the front desk loves telling you all about how busy they are and what their occupancies are and their seasonality. They love talking shop with Airbnb people. There's no animosity here. They know that they've got all these rooms and they know that our market and our target audience is different than theirs. So they spill the beans and they tell me all of their research. They tell me everything I need to know to whether or not I should have an Airbnb in town. And I can tell you, some people love having a cheap hotel room because that's all they need. Other people, I'm me, myself included, I've got four children. I love renting an Airbnb because I get way more bang for my buck. I'm going to be paying for the rooms anyway. I might as well get a house that's got my own pool in it and it's got a full kitchen so I can save money on eating out. So there are trade-offs to both sides of the coin there. And you can have properties wherever, wherever.
1: Real quick y'all, you guys already know that I don't run any ads on this and I don't sell anything. And so the only ask I can ever ask of you guys is that you help me spread the word so we can help more real estate investors make more money feed their families and have the private money they need to fund their deals. And the only way we can do that is if I ask you to rate and review and share this podcast. So the single thing that I ask you to do is you can just leave a review. It'll take you 10 seconds or one type of the thumb. It would mean the absolute world to me. And more importantly, it may change the world of someone else. One thing that comes to my mind, Ed, um, and it may be coming to mind to someone else who's tuning in right now, the logistics of managing this kind of business. I mean, you got people checking in, you got people checking out, you got somebody's got to get it cleaned. And as you scale the business, you've got more properties and you know, my lands, I don't want to be managing all this myself. I'd be losing my mind. So, Give us an easy way to understand how is this business model managed to where, well, I was getting ready to say you're running around with your hair on fire. Uh, Excuse that. You wouldn't be running around with your hair on fire, but you'd be running around crazy, right? How do you logistically manage this business to where you're running it and it's not running you?
2: That's a great question. Uh, you know, I, I would love to tell you that I have a private jet and when it's time to do a turnover in Lincoln, New Hampshire, I just hop on my jet and fly to New Hampshire and do the turnover. And then later on in the day, I come back and I do my turnover in Tampa and I'm cleaning them all myself. No, 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 absolutely not. Uh, I didn't say this before, but my career before I got into real estate investing, I was a 20 year IT veteran, senior network and systems engineer. I dealt with security, Nutanix, hyperconvergence and VMware and blah, 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 and all this junk. And ultimately, I figured out a way to systemize using mostly technology and, of course, some human intervention as well. And so we use uh, our cleaners to go out there and we pay them on a a consistent basis at the end of every single stay. They get paid and we pay them automatically. They get notified of new bookings so that they know what day these people are checking out so they know they've got to clean automatically. We make it so that when somebody books, actually, last night we had a booking in an Airbnb. And uh, not two hours after they book, the lock codes are all set. Actually, it's about one hour. The lock codes get set to the last four digits of their phone number. They get an automated message. They go in automatically. The place is clean. They report any kind of issues. Any issues are going to go to my team and my team are just going to take care of it. We have very few issues. I would say maybe two or three a month across the entire portfolio. And uh, usually when those issues arise, I've got somebody else who's getting that information in, and they just give it over to the right person. And we've got these runbooks that say here's exactly what we do. And like anything else in your investing business, you don't want to be doing the cold call and doing the follow up and getting the contract signed. You know, you've got VAs and acquisitionists for those tasks. You, know, you want to do what the things that you do best. Maybe that's raising private money. Maybe that's analyzing the deal and getting on with your day, like Ron LeGrand does. Maybe uh, you like to go out and you're a rehabber and you love going out and just checking on the, the status of properties. And then you get on with your day. It's the same thing in this business. Your systemization is absolutely critical. We systemize the ability to bring leads into our funnel, to follow up with those leads. And then when we get the properties, we have a way that we automate the staging and the setup of those properties. And then we also automate the guests, the communication, the automated messaging that goes out, how we make sure they understand how to use the TVs, all of it. Completely automated.
1: So how do you find these people that can be reliable to clean the unit or, you know, clean the home, get it turned over in a very timely basis to where you got one family checking out or a couple checking out and you got somebody else checking in? How do you find these people that makes this happen for you so you don't have to worry about it?
2: So we use a platform called Turnover b that integrates with our property management system. Now, if I were to find somebody, let's say a good friend of mine who wants to start cleaning, maybe she's unemployed and she's looking for some work and I know that she can handle the job, or maybe it's a cleaner for a different property. I can bring them into turnover BNB and I don't pay any fees for that up to a certain amount. Uh, Should I need a cleaner for one, I just go onto the marketplace and I put out how many rooms it is. I give them a copy of my checklist, how many square feet, and they'll actually bid on the property. And so we pay anywhere from $65, $75 of cleaning on the smaller properties to $250 to $300 on larger properties. And get this, in our listing, there is a cleaning fee. And that cleaning fee is exactly the amount of the cleaning. I know some people reduce their nightly rate and they jack up their cleaning fee to make up the difference because there's a, a strategy to that. I'm not one of those people. So I actually just put my cleaning fees exactly what the cleaning fee is that I pay to my cleaner. So it's my guests who are paying for them, not me. All I need to do is go into the turnover BNB system, and I'm going to assign a cleaner to them. They set up the automatic payments so when they go into a property, they know the checkout time. They make sure the place is vacant. They go in. They do the turnover. They take pictures beforehand. They take pictures when they're done. They show me how clean they got it. And when they're all done, they hit a button. Whoop, and just like that, they get paid via Stripe.com. It comes out of the account where I receive the money. I don't even have to deal with paying them. It's automatic like clockwork.
1: So how do you determine um, how much to charge for a cleaning fee?
2: Well, that's actually done by the cleaner. So the cleaners will actually bid on the properties. And I'm going to pick not the cheapest one, not the best one, but I've got a whole reviews process. I can see if they're COVID certified, if they have any other... Uh, training and certifications. I get to pick my cleaner based on that criteria. And then I look at what is their bid? I would get one that's for a small property and say a two or three bedroom and they'll say $500 per turnover. Uh, no, not doing that. Next one comes in. She's got all the credentials. She's got great reviews and she's 149 per turnover. Next one comes in. She's $75 per turnover and she's got nothing that's risky. And for those of you who are wondering in turnover B and B, Ed, can you have more than one? Absolutely. I can have multiple primaries. So the first one to accept the job gets it, or I can have a primary and a number of backups as well, either, or it doesn't matter. You want to make sure that you've got plenty of coverage so that in the event that somebody flakes out and they can't be there one day or they get sick, you've got somebody else who can come in and clean the property.
1: So how do you find the landlords to call to offer this business model to them?
2: My VA actually finds them. I give my VA an entire sheet and she's got a training and she goes through Facebook marketplace. She checks Craigslist. We look at uh, for rent by owner. We look at you know, all the places people look to find properties. And then, of course, she calls the landlord. She's got my script. And anybody who says, you know, I might be willing to do that. Well, then I get on the phone with them or my acquisitionist will still get on the phone with them. Somebody follows up. And the key is follow up. You got to take action. Don't be afraid to hop on the call. And I will tell you, I have heard other people in this space say, always going out there and meet with them in person and then pitch them the whole short-term rental idea while you're standing in front of them. And those people say, I typically close 30% of my landlords when they're in person. And I look at them and I say, really? You expect me to roll my gas guzzling Jeep out there? For those of you have a Prius, my electric sucking Prius, and get out there and go talk to a landlord in person without even knowing if they do this, I say no. And here's why I say no. My VA is doing all the calls. She's getting all this information. She's following up in our dialing system. So we're calling them more than once. We're asking anybody who hasn't rented the property, uh, would you consider doing this with us? Would you consider doing that? She's got a whole script. And when we follow up, I can tell you, I successfully closed 90% of the people over the phone that are landlords who just simply have questions, but their mind is open and they're willing to engage. 90% of them, we will close into short-term rentals, which is how I got three of them in the past 30 days.
1: What are two or three of the biggest benefits you give to these landlords um, to where you can use it as an
2: Airbnb? Well, in my teaching and training program, I have a, a portion of that called Hypnotizing Landlords, Jay. Hypnotizing landlords really just comes down to understanding the needs of the landlord. Landlords want to get paid, right? They've got this investment property. They want to make a return on their money. Now, it used to be that I could even offer them a little bit more than normal market rates because as long as I see it in my short-term rental numbers, I might offer to pay a little bit extra. However, I recently did one in Cape Coral, Florida. Now, for those of you who don't know, Cape Coral. Is the hottest landlord market in the nation. Uh, Marshall Reddick, one of these big lender companies, came out and actually did a report on Cape Coral and they called it the biggest long term rental market in the nation. People are moving there in droves and therefore, you know, housing is, is becoming scarce there and the rental market, the, the prices are shooting up. I called a landlord who, who posted his property up. My VA reached out to them that day. And by that evening, I was on the phone with him. And he said, Ed, I got to tell you, you've got a really hard road to haul here. I said, why is that? He said, well, I told Emily, your assistant this morning, I might be open to doing this. Since I answered the phone, I guess I'll go ahead and give you a shot. But I'm already about ready to make my decision. And you should know, I've got somebody here who has fantastic credit. They've offered to pay more than the $1,900 I was asking. They're offering to pay $2,300 a month. I have somebody else here who's offering to pay me $1,900 for the entire year up front. So your offer better be good. Jay, I gave them my offer and they went with me. I'm going to give for anybody who's in the state of Florida, I'm going to give this one bullseye answer. Yes, I talk about how we keep the property professionally cleaned and maintained in a sure and ready condition. Yes, I talk about how the maintenance, you know, we take care of cleaning the air ducts and replacing the air filters. And, you know, unless the roof is leaking or the property's flooded or a hurricane ripped everything off, they're not going to even hear from me. Things are going to work like clockwork. This one bullseye thing that works in the state of Florida, probably like nowhere else, as I always say to the landlord, I see you have a Maryland area code. Would I be right in assuming that you purchased a property down here in Florida with the dream of one day being able to use it? And in order to cover that debt, you decided to go ahead and lease that property out on annual rentals, and now you can never use the property? And nine times out of 10, yeah, that, that's right. How would you love to have a strategy where I'm paying the bills and you get to utilize the property? Well, what do you mean, Ed? Well, you see, Jay, I ripped a page out of the timeshare manual, and I'm going to give you two weeks out of the year to use that property. Or any other property in my portfolio, and you should know, I've got properties all over the state of Florida, up in New Hampshire, in the White Mountains for skiing, and even in Puerto Rico. I've got properties all over, and we're growing all the time. I don't care which property you choose. Will You do business with me, and you're going to get access for two weeks out of the year. Oh, and by the way, I never want to do business with anyone who doesn't want to do business with me, Jay. Therefore, in my contract, I'm going to give you a 30, 60, or 90-day right of rescission. Basically, what that means is I'm going to lower the risk. If at any point in time, this agreement isn't working out for you, I'll go ahead and give you back the property. You just give me 60 days written notice to vacate. I'll finish up the rentals I'm doing. We'll get all of our stuff. And we'll go somewhere else because you got to remember, I'm not your normal tenant. I don't live there. So you're not kicking anybody out of the house. So should your market change or your ideals change? Go ahead. Let me know. I'll get my short-term rental done someplace else. No problem. And let me tell you, let me just add one thing to that, Jay. That one thing right there, actually, I gave you two. And that second one that I just gave you means we take all of the the air that's built up and all of that tension right out of the conversation. Because now they can experiment with it. And I'll tell you, I have yet to give back a property because some landlord didn't like what we were doing.
1: Well, you know, most landlord and renter relationships... In a traditional way is, you know, one of the biggest uh, pains that landlords have, they talk about, I'm tired of tenants and toilets, tenants and toilets, phone calls at two o'clock in the morning. In some kind of way in your business strategy, do you take part of that stress off of the landlord?
2: Absolutely. In fact, I use that in my speech to them. I tell them, as soon as you rent to me, your days of dealing with tenants and toilets are over. You don't deal with tenants anymore. They think of me. Now, I'm not a licensed uh, real estate broker. Therefore, I don't do property management. But I will tell you, they think of me like a property manager. And so at this point, they're saying, look, I know he's getting profits, but hey, I'm profitable too. Everybody wins and I don't have to deal with tenants and toilets anymore. Where do I sign? I get to use the property. If I don't like it, I get to get out of the contract. I'm not stuck in an agreement with somebody. And, uh, you know, the property is professionally maintained and showroom ready condition at all times. Shoot, if he's doing what he's saying he's going to do, then I can come down and use the property and I'll be able to see that he's doing what he's saying he's going to do. Simple. Well,
1: that's a huge huge benefit that you give to a landlord, uh, particularly if it's that the property is located in an area that, you know, they would like to come visit. One last question, Ed, before we give everybody your contact information, and I know you've got a huge bonus Uh, to give to, to, you know, uh, everyone here. Uh, And that question is, you know, you talk about how you combine arbitrage, meaning you don't own the property, you rent the property, you control the property, you then put Airbnb or short-term rentals in the property. What does private money or using other people's money, how does that
2: combine to the strategy of your business model? Sure. Well, Jay, you are the private money authority. So I'm going to ask you, when you go and you position private money lenders, and you're just talking to people that you know, acquaintances, people that you've met that you're telling them about private money, do you ever find that you come across some private money lenders who would actually enjoy getting started? They just perhaps don't have the capital requirements that you need to do a fix and flip?
1: Absolutely. We've got private lenders at all different levels. We got private lenders that you know only have maybe 30, forty thousand dollars to start. We have other private lenders that have a hundred 250 and five hundred thousand dollars to start. So yeah I mean there's all different levels and on those people that only have like 25 or thirty thousand to start, we say, well, you know um, I can't buy a property at that amount but perhaps there's another way we can work together. So how do you do that?
2: Sure. And uh, I'll tell you, I've done private money notes as low as 5,000. Now you should know I've raised close to $700,000 in private money in the past few months. I I will say in the past year. In the past year, I think I've done close to 700,000 when all said and done. And forgive me if my number is a little bit off there, but nobody's looking. So anyhow, I've done quite a bit in terms of private money and I've done smaller amounts of money. When I say 5000 that's not typical. That's not typical. I have one private lender who gave me $5,000 and I used that on an arbitrage deal that was already furnished. I used that money in order to get a couple of things done I wanted to get done, put in my locks, my automation, get all my setup and stuff done. And then at that point, we started putting it on Airbnb and we started seeing the typical results that we see. So even in $5,000, here's one thing to keep in mind though. In arbitrage, we aren't purchasing the property. Therefore, I cannot secure them on somebody else's mortgage. It doesn't work that way. They're doing an unsecured business loan directly to my business. They're basically my money partners. You can think of it as a working capital loan. Jay, have you ever looked at working capital loans? Meaning unsecured loans? unsecured loans with no personal guarantees, working capital. This is business loan. And it's called a working capital loan. They give it so you can grow your operations. And these are you know, with banks and hard money. Have you ever seen those loans? I can tell you, Jay, they are high interest and they are high payback. In other words, let's say I borrow $70,000 or some other big chunk of money. Many of those working capital loans will have a daily payback, a weekly payback, very few of them have a monthly payback. And the terms of paying back 70 grand might be as short as four to seven months. So you can imagine that daily payback and how it negatively impacts your cash flow is horrible. And I know people who get them, they'll get a $70,000 loan and they're only going to spend 10 or 20,000 because they're going to use the rest of that money. They're going to stick it into account just to pay back those monthly payments to make sure they've always got it because some of those daily payments are ridiculous. And I can't even imagine going in and doing a daily payment at five, $600 a day. Not me. Uh-uh. So what do I do? Well, I'm talking to people like I'm doing fix and flips. And I give them the script that you told me to give them. And I'm getting them into my program the way you told me to get them into my program. However, when somebody comes and says, Ed, what kind of capital do you need to invest? And I'll tell them $200,000, $300,000 because I'm thinking fix and flip. And they go, oh. I've only got 15,000, I've only got 10,000, I've only got 20,000. I say, you know what, don't despair. I actually have another model that may work better for your investment. And I will typically pay 10% rate of return. Now in this model, it's a business loan and you're unsecured. So I can't tie you to a mortgage, but you know what, the amount of money you're given, you're at low risk simply because you're giving a smaller amount. And I'm using it in my Airbnb arbitrage portfolio, which means you're going to get a monthly check and I pay them back. I amortize it over 10 years with a five-year balloon. So this is a five-year principal and interest payment. You don't get that on a normal working capital loans. My payments on these are anywhere from $300 a month to maybe 900 and some change a month. And I've borrowed as much as $75,000 from one investor because they wanted to be a partner in my Airbnbs. They didn't want to do any of the work. They just wanted to make an investment And they actually get paid back based upon people who are coming to rent my Airbnb. And I got this one tip and trick that I put into all of my agreements just because of things like seasonality and uncertainty in short-term rental markets. And that is, should we not be cash flowing positively, we reserve the right to skip payments for up to 90 days. Now, the investor earns 100% of the interest that they're getting, because I'm not making a little PIDly principal payment back to them. That piddly principal continues to earn interest throughout that 90 day period while we you know, we're figure, figure out what we're going to do. So I will tell you that this company that I have, some of my Airbnbs are also lease option deals. Therefore, I've got lease options there. So Jay, what do I do in the event of economic collapse or Airbnb going bankrupt and I lose those channels and I try to go in different channels and I just don't get the money in? Well, I've got 90 days to fix and flip. I've got 90 days to sell off the lease options. I've got 90 days to do owner financing and lease options to get big down payment checks. I've got strategy and I've got options because more than just a short-term rental guy. What I teach in my program is more about being a real estate engineering. you're a transaction engineer. So it's when the deal comes in, you decide what the best, highest and best use for that property is going to be. Sometimes it's short-term rentals, sometimes it's not. And that's where I,
1: I tell you what let's do. Let's make it easy for the person that is listening to you and me right now. Number one, if you are interested in getting into Airbnb and short-term rentals, as as just you said, you're going to need some private money. You're going to need some private money to perhaps stage the house, to furnish the house, maybe some light repairs. And so I have got a gift for you just for tuning into the show. And that's how to get the, be plugged into private money very, very quickly and really fast track your private money to where you can Get these houses furnished and get them ready to go without pulling any cash out of your pocket. I just wrote a brand new free money guide. It's called the uh, private money uh, money guide, and you can get it for free. It's a free download at www.jayconner.com forward slash money guide Download that guide. Now that's going to show you quickly how to get the private money. To work with the short-term rental Airbnb business, so Ed, now let's tell them how to get the training from you that they need at an unbelievable, like, negligible price.
2: <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Well, you know, I was gonna, I was gonna give them a full price, but since you said I have to give them an unbelievable, negligible price, I guess I better drop it here. So here's what I'm gonna do. Uh, I've actually just forwarded my domain name, thebnbcookbook.com, to my Eventbrite, my two-day live in-person training event, which will also be available via Zoom for those of you who, can't, who cannot come to Tampa, though I do highly recommend you do that. May 31st and June 1st, you want to go to www.thebnbcookbook.com. bnb like Airbnb. It's www.thebnbcookbook.com. Now, when you get there, you're going to see the full price ticket. In order to get your special discount at $1,000 off, I'm giving $1,000 off of a not even $2,000 event, you're going to get a special deal. Come to my two-day live event for $497. That's it. And we're feeding you too, by the way. You get food at that price. $497 gives you two days at my uh, 4,000-square-foot lakefront estate in just north of Tampa, Florida. So come on down, see the palm trees. Go get wet, go swimming, go on boats. Come down here two days, spend it with me. I'm gonna teach you everything you need to know to take action now, get started. And to do this, the coupon code is J. Connor. That's all one word. It's J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R, not O-R. I know, Jay, you struggle with that. <laughs> J. Connor is your coupon code to get $1,000 off. That makes your total $497 measly dollars. You know what I said earlier. I said we cash flow four to six thousand dollars a month. Now that to me sounds like a pretty good use of your money. Four hundred ninety-seven dollars to get to a two-day live in-person event that's going to teach you how to make massive cash flow like you've never seen before and not have to do all the work and learn it all yourself from scratch. I've already mm-hmm. done it. Come and do it with me.
1: My friend, that is a no-brainer. Get your money guide on private money. That'll get you ready for the event at jayconner.com, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R.com forward slash money guide. Download that right after the show. And also right after the show, get right on over to Ed Middlebrook's website, which is www.com the The B BNBCookbook.com and be sure and use your coupon code, all one word in caps, J-A-Y-C-O-N-N-E-R and that will drop the price, $1,000 and you'll be with Ed right there on the lake in his 4,000 square foot estate to learn all about short-term rentals. Ed, thank you so much for joining me here on the show. I can't wait to
2: join you myself at your event. I can't wait to have you. I, I don't know if you're coming to this one, but we're going to have you here really soon. Let's talk about June. Hope all right. right. Sounds good. Hey, thank you. you so much. Pleasure. I appreciate you. Pleasure. Thank
1: you. All Bye right. On. There you have it, my friend, another episode of this show. Here's to taking your business to the next level. I'm the Private Money Authority. We appreciate all the likes, the shares, the rates, the reviews, the five-star reviews, and be sure if you're watching YouTube, be sure and tap that bell so you don't miss out on any of the upcoming notifications of our amazing shows. We'll see you right here on the next show. Mm